0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.
1: Good morning, and happy Halloween. I'm Debbie Cruz, and it's Monday, October 31st. We'll hear about a building material that can offset the burning of fossil fuels. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Some community activists say San Diego police officers are being intimidated by other officers to protect a code of silence within the department. Tasha Williamson of Exhaling Injustice says, officers sent her photos from inside police headquarters, depicting stickers of rats and blue falcons. She says the symbols are used to intimidate officers who want to report police corruption. The stickers have since been removed, but Williamson is calling for an investigation.
2: How can there be a real system of justice if officers are afraid of rogue officers, community members are afraid of rogue officers, and management is not effectively dealing with rogue officers?
1: SDPD says it is working on a response to our request for comment. San Diego County health officials are warning about a triple threat of illness this fall and winter. There's been an early spike in flu and RSV cases, but COVID cases are currently decreasing. If all three spike at once, it could lead to extra pressure on the medical system. Health officials recommend wearing a mask, washing your hands thoroughly and often, and staying home if you feel sick. The Mother Goose Parade won't make its way through El this year. Organizers announced on Friday that it's been canceled because of staffing, logistic, and supply chain challenges. The parade is usually held the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's one of the county's longest-running holiday events starting in 1947. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.
1: California recently updated its building code to allow high-rises made almost entirely out of wood. But not just any wood, an emerging type of wood product called mass timber. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says its use is growing in San Diego, fueling hopes that mass timber can help with the city's climate goals.
3: On the western edge of Scripps Ranch, just off I-15, crews are assembling a 10-story building made out of mass timber. The product is made by joining several planks of wood together, usually with glue, to form large structural panels and beams.
0: They are first uh, fabricated uh, by
4: gluing plywood together, you can still see the same.
3: Ling Pei is an engineering professor with the Colorado School of Mines. This building won't ever be inhabited. It's a research experiment Pei is leading to test how mass timber responds to earthquakes. The building's walls are specially designed to move and absorb energy. It's built on something called a shake table. In February, it'll mimic earthquakes of increasing intensity.
4: I know our mass engineering is pretty solid. And we have good material, I think we're gonna put on a good show, but uh, The reason we do research and the reason we do test is we don't know the full story.
3: The main appeal of mass timber is environmental. Steel and concrete cost huge amounts of energy to produce. Mass timber, on the other hand, is made from a renewable resource grown by the sun. Trees capture carbon from the atmosphere and store it in their cells. That means sustainable production of mass timber can offset the burning of fossil fuels. Pay hopes his research will help the product go mainstream.
4: So in a way, we're playing a role to be a good educator for the public and for, for also building officials to say this is a totally feasible and there's a great benefit architects, engineers have always struggled with, you know, how do you build in a way that is actually positive for the environment?
3: Jennifer Cover is president and CEO of Woodworks, a nonprofit that promotes mass timber.
4: The building industry contributes about 40 percent of the total greenhouse gases globally. And if you look at just building materials alone, it's somewhere between nine to 11 percent.
3: This summer, California amended the building code to allow structures up to 18 stories tall made with mass timber. Cover says those updates came after research showed mass timber is remarkably resistant to fire. When exposed to flames...
4: The solid piece of wood begins to char, and what that does is create an insulation layer against uh, further heat damage, and so the wood is actually protected and it self-extinguishes.
3: Despite its potential to help decarbonize the building industry, mass timber remains something of a novelty in North America, but its popularity is growing fast. What you're going to be seeing is the building comes in through here and makes an L, and you're gonna have an outdoor plaza. Alex Alemani shows me around a lot in North Park where he's planning to build a five-story, 55-unit apartment building. It'll be a hybrid with mass timber floors and ceilings, but conventional wood framing for the walls. Alamani estimates the mass timber is adding at least 15% to his construction costs, but he's betting future tenants will pay a premium for the aesthetic appeal. When you go in, you're going to see these huge exposed mass timber panels, right? Completely unobstructed, uh, and you're going to have that nature element inside of your unit, kind of like you're in a wooden cabin. A lot will have to change before San Diego sees its first mass timber high-rise. Contractors with experience in mass timber are in short supply here. Alemany expects the material will have to catch on with large, deep-pocketed developers first. Uh,
0: And the more and more of those larger scale
3: projects get
0: accomplished with mass timber, there's going to be a trickle-down effect to the mass market and the smaller projects.
3: San Diego's Climate Action Plan briefly mentions mass timber as a more sustainable building material that the city should seek to incentivize. Exactly what those incentives will look like or when they'll take effect is unclear. In the meantime, Alemani says the city has to get more familiar with the material. He submitted his blueprints for review last December and is still waiting for a building permit. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
1: The San Diego Association of Governments has been hit with several poor audits, and now one board member wants further action. iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman explains.
2: After yet another scathing assessment of agency spending practices, a veteran SANDAG board member wants to talk about its top employee. Carlsbad Mayor Matt Hall has requested an early review of CEO Hassan Akrata's job performance. He cited a recent audit that found massive increases to the agency's vendor contracts. Hall tells source that it's time to address the agency's loss in credibility. But board leaders have rejected his request and say they won't talk about Akrata until his annual review in December. The board will discuss the new contracts audit next month. For KPBS, I'm iNew Source investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman.
1: iNew Source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. San Diego's most prominent researchers hope the ocean gets attention when the world's leaders meet to discuss the planet's climate in November. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details.
2: The 27th Conference of the Parties, commonly referred to as COP27, convenes in Egypt soon, and the ocean is getting more than just passing attention. The ocean covers more than 70 percent of the planet's surface, and it absorbs both carbon and heat. Margaret Leinen is director of the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. She says the ocean has buffered some of the changes already underway, but the future remains uncertain.
3: It may not be able to buffer us from all of the um, the extremes uh, that it has been able to do in the past.
2: The Scripps Institution of Oceanography and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute in Massachusetts are hosting an ocean pavilion at the meeting in an effort to highlight the impact climate change has on the ocean. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, we chat about the traditions behind Dia de los Muertos. That's coming up later in the show.
0: PBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at CandlewoodArtsFestival.org
1: Tens of thousands of voters in San Diego County prefer to vote in a language other than English. But in-person assistance at vote centers sometimes falls short of the need. I source reporter Sofia Mejias pasco explains.
4: The registrar of voters will operate more than 200 vote centers across the county by election day in November. For new voters, many of them immigrants or refugees, in-language assistance from poll workers is a major reason they go to vote centers instead of voting by mail. But when Martha Hernandez voted for the first time, no one at the poll center she visited spoke Spanish.
2: Una total del, del, del
4: cielo a la Having that would have made a huge difference, she said. Every year, the county struggles to hire bilingual poll workers, especially those who speak languages including Somali, Vietnamese, Chinese, and Arabic. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Sofia Mejias-Pasco.
1: I News Source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. You can find your closest voting center by going to kpbs.org/voterhub. One of the measures San Diegans will see on their ballots is Measure H. It would open parks and rec facilities to child care businesses, but KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser says the measure includes a confusing word choice that has led to some opposition to the measure. Measure H would allow the city to lease out land and facilities to childcare businesses. Councilmember Raul Campillo supports the measure.
0: It makes no sense that we aren't looking at every city facility and seeing how we might be able to incorporate child care into it, both for our employees and for the public.
1: The text of the measure gives the
4: city manager, not the city council, authority to lease out city land to child care businesses. In a recent editorial, the San Diego Union-Tribune endorsed a no vote on the measure because it, quote, gives a single official vast power over extremely valuable parkland. But Kempio says the newspaper missed an important point. All leases for more than three years have to be approved by the city council. He says no child care provider would want such a short lease.
1: Claire Tregasser KPBS News. This is the last day of Wildfire Preparedness Month, but fire danger is year-round. San Diego County has a unique helicopter program that puts sheriff's deputies right above the fire lines. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado went to their base in El Cajon.
4: That's the San Diego County Sheriff's Department's ASTRIA, or Aerial Support to Regional Enforcement agencies unit. It plays a unique role in fire suppression and rescue operations for CAL FIRE San Diego. It's the only one like it, where you have the fire side of the house meeting with the law enforcement side of the house for this mission. That's Sergeant Scott Bly, one of the fire pilots. They have seven helicopters and fly about 2,000 emergency calls every year. Just to be a fire pilot for Astria, you have to have 2,000 helicopter hours. They're dealing with conditions and hazards that standard pilots are not prepared to handle. The smoke, the power lines, the trees or snags, the terrain, uh, and the winds especially on fires can be absolutely hellacious. And what he's learned in the 20 years he's been fighting fires with the Astria unit, be ready for anything. We're always gonna be ready to do whatever comes our way. Kitty Alvarado KPBS news.
1: Today is Halloween, so happy Halloween to you. I'm guessing that a lot of you may be celebrated over the weekend at a party or maybe just got together with some friends or family. Well, no parties for me, but like every year, we do pass out candy to the neighborhood kids. I just love seeing everyone in their costumes, and I will always make sure we have a big variety of chocolate candy. So, okay, so that is Halloween. But there's another holiday around this time of year that many of you in our community celebrate, and it's Dia de los Muertos. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne is here with me to talk about the holiday. For those who don't know, can you tell us what is Dia de los Muertos?
2: Yes, Debbie, I love this time of the year. It's It feels like the kickoff into the holidays, right? And well, Dia de los Muertos is a celebration for our ancestors and loved ones who aren't with us anymore and have passed away. It's more traditionally celebrated on November 1st and 2nd, but some people celebrate it even before Halloween, starting as early as the 27th.
1: Right. And how is it celebrated? What are some of the traditions that make this holiday so unique?
2: Well, the way to celebrate it is by building an ofrenda or altar in your home, which I think can be really personal, too, because it's a labor of love, really. And for the families that are close to the grave sites, they visit the cemetery and sometimes clean the headstone, de-weed the area, and set up the altar there, and, you know, just kind of hang out with their loved ones at the cemetery as if they never left. And y- you'll see various things at set up at the altars and ofrendas, but one item you almost always see at the altars are flores de cempasuchil, the golden marigold that I'm sure everyone is familiar with. Other items are candles... You know, some I think preferably white, you know, pure and white. Uh, pictures of your loved ones, glasses of water, I've seen. Some people like to include salt and in bread, sugar schools, and the loved ones' favorite foods. A lot of time you'll see tamales, beers, tequila, traditional Mexican dishes. Uh, there's also a seasonal sweetbread, pan dulce, you'll see this time of the year called pan de muerto. Here is Manuel Navarro, the president of the Por Siempre Car Club, who can tell us a little bit more about the food sometimes seen in the ofrendas.
4: It's just a remembrance of of
3: what what they, they used to like to do and eat while they were still with us. So in a way that's remembering them and honoring them and celebrating their life.
1: So what do we know about how and where it originated?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I I think it largely originated in Mexico, but it has ties to the way Aztecs and other indigenous groups would honor their ancestors using bones and skulls. But of course, I think with time and different historical events, I'm sure the true traditional holiday has changed. It's got to have some Spanish influence after the conquest of the Aztec Empire, and even now, right, some some modern ties and new influences there. So we're, we're starting to see more modern elements like classic cars and even Bluetooth speakers blasting music, you know, and that's being incorporated now into the ofrendas. But I think, you know, what matters is that we're here talking about it now and people are celebrating it.
1: So how widely is it celebrated in the Latinx community? I'm I'm asking because when I took my parents to see Coco, Disney's Coco, they were surprised to learn about it being celebrated, at least at this level. I'm curious, does your family celebrate it?
2: Oh my gosh, yes. Coco is, I think, why I started building an altar with my kids, because they're obsessed with the movie. And I just, I see how their little faces light up when we watch it, and so that's, that's a big reason why I think a lot of people are celebrating it. And it just, you know, it got a a big light shined on the holiday. And I think just, you know, celebrating our loved ones, you don't have to be Mexican to really be able to celebrate it. And you know, my mom does celebrate it, my parents uh, used to celebrate it back in Mexico. And I think something interesting is, you know, my mom would tell me stories about how some years they didn't have money to buy the sugar schools or even the cempasuchil. So all they would put is a glass of water and maybe some bread for their loved ones. That's why I think it's really a labor of love. Your altar doesn't need to be very elaborate. It can be humble. And for the loved one that you are celebrating, I think that sometimes means the most.
1: Very good. It's been great chatting with you, Tanya. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Debbie. If you like to get out and celebrate the holiday this week, there are a few community celebrations around the county. A community altar is being set up at Veterans Park in Imperial Beach tomorrow. They are inviting you to bring photos and mementos of lost loved ones to add to the altar. And on Wednesday, there will be a big celebration in Old Town. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and happy Halloween.